Jacob Chastain. You've been a teacher. You've been in for a few years. You're now principal. We all know that. My question to you is, what is the most important thing that makes a school work? What's the one thing you have to have no matter what and why? I think you have to have people in the building that genuinely love the art and craft and dedication of education. I think that's what it takes. I don't I don't think it's a love of kids. I truly don't. I think there's tons of people who get into teaching who love kids. I think there's tons of people who quit teaching who love kids. I think there's tons of people who make bad decisions for kids because they love certain kids. I think there are people that jump into administration that have lost a love for teaching. So they want something different. I've been told this by administrators that may not be named who say, you know, I just got tired of teaching. So I wanted to be in administration. I got tired of the grind of teaching. So I wanted to be in administration. And so when it comes to those people are ineffective leaders, in my opinion, they don't, they don't run effective schools. They don't make effective policies. They don't make effective systems. They run uh, ineffective discipline. They support teachers badly because why on earth would you know or care to support teachers if you yourself got out of teaching because you couldn't handle it anymore or you didn't like it anymore? And so it's such an interesting question um, to really kind of ponder because it's we can talk about. I know people that would make the argument that great systems are what's needed, right? You need, you need your systems, right? Kids need to always know where to go. You need your passes. You need, uh, the discipline policy, the tardy policy, everything else. And those are great. I think those are fundamental. Sure. But at the core, those things don't matter if you don't love teaching itself. And I I make this distinction in uh, Teach Me Teacher, the book, where it's it's not enough to love kids. If it was all about loving kids, if that's all it took to run a school, then every school would be successful because every and there's hardly anyone who genuinely dislikes kids. Right. It's it's a biological imperative to want to take care of young people and to and to raise the community. And it helps everybody. Everyone knows this. Right. There's there. I mean, of course, there's your outliers who just genuinely don't like kids. But I think the vast majority of us genuinely like kids. And I think the people that get into teaching genuinely love kids and they they think they're fun. And, and the grades and the schools that you end up falling into Everyone says this, right? Ochoa, you've seen this. You've worked at multiple levels. You've trained people at all different levels. You've seen people like, oh, I like teaching middle school because they get my humor and that's my kind of humor. Or I like teaching high school because I understand the kids. I feel like I can talk to them. Or I like teaching elementary because I really just connect to that age group, right? Teachers say this all the time. But that's not enough to run effective schools. I have seen people who genuinely care about the kids in their classroom that are massively ineffective teachers because they don't like teaching. They don't like the job of teaching. And the job is hard, right? The job, especially today, you and I, I we're on record for literally hundreds of hours (laughs) 
talking about the the difficulties of what it means to teach in today's world and to teach under today's policies and to teach under today's demands. Like uh, we've never shied away from those conversations. But you got to kind of love that, too. You Not in a sense of like, I think it's good, but you have to be like, you know what? I love this job so much. I'm going to work through the difficult parts in hopes that I can change the things that don't work. You yourself, I mean, how many years did you put in before you retired? 36. You don't get 36 years of education <laughs> without loving teaching. It's just right. not a thing. And you and I know everyone listening to this. I know everyone listening to this knows people who are in their building who despise their job, who despise the art of teaching. They might still love kids. They might say they love this. They might love that. They might love that, but they don't love the the work of teaching. And unfortunately, you know, and I, I don't think we have a big... Uh, audience on craft and draft that pay attention to these circles that I'm about to talk about, but teach me teacher definitely has these circles, but it's the, these groups that are always about, you know what? You clock out when your contract hours are done, go home, take care of yourself at all times. You're, you're, you're the district isn't worth that. The kids aren't worth working extra time. If they want you to do that extra work, they better pay you. And I understand that argument. And if people feel that way, that's fine. But teaching has never happened from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Never has, never will. The most effective teachers do not work just those hours. Am I saying kill yourself every single day? Absolutely not. Take care of yourself always. However, your job is not when the bell, the first bell rings and the last bell ends. Your job is a lot after that. It's planning. It's thinking. It's it's PLCing. It's reading research. It's having conversations with colleagues. It's calling parents. It's having conferences with kids. It's staying late to make sure that you're prepared for the lesson tomorrow. And you don't do those things unless you love teaching. I have been at a campus that I had, I, when I got hired, that campus was struggling. We did a staff meeting every single week, Coachella, and they gave us two <laughs> options every single week. People, uh, this, this is not even, this is unheard of. Every single week, they give us two options. You can come in the AM, so you can get there at 7 AM and go to 8 AM for your meeting, or you can stay from 4 PM to 5 PM. That was your meetings time and it was, and it never wavered in every P in every one of those meetings. It wasn't an info dump. It wasn't a PowerPoint. We did activities. We looked at data. We read research. We did all kinds of stuff. And I learned so much and teachers grumbled and they mumbled and did all these things. But I, as a first year teacher, that year probably developed me faster than any other year on the planet because the principal said, you know what, if people want to teach here, then we're going to freaking learn. We're going to dedicate ourselves to this. Now, do I personally think that we should have a staff meeting every single week? No, <laughs> but I admire the passion. I understand where that comes from, right? Yeah. So when you get to these other levels of... Just this this uh, relaxed state of what education is that that you shouldn't really work so hard. I just I don't agree that campus that I referenced where we did that. We were still struggling. 
multiple principals since then, I've seen multiple leaders and the most effective leader on that campus that was struggling. And when I say struggling, I mean, the state of Texas was almost about to shut us down because we were Mm -hmm. doing so poorly. And you know this. Yeah. You didn't work there at the time, but you coached us at the time. I did. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is young Jacob, right? And and you were in there and I, I learned a lot from you during those years. But those I, I remember that so vividly, but what ended up happening is the last principal I worked with before she retired and I left, she showed up and you know what she did is she found her people that were willing to put in the work. She saw me, I was coming back from literacy coaching when she got hired and I walked around and I met her and I shook her hand and whoever, I forget who was introducing me. She was like, Oh yeah, Jacob, he does this. He podcasts. He does this. She goes, Oh really? What are you passionate about? I'm like, I'm passionate about teaching writing. She's like, well, you should come to a meeting. So she invited me to a summer meeting, which I feel like was a test, right? Will he show up to a summer meeting? He's not even <laughs> yeah. hired here yet. That tells you a lot. <laughs> and I showed up and she, we had a, an hour long conversation. One of many, her and I have literally talked for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, and she goes, you know what? We we need to move in this direction. And she was a believer in writing. She was a believer in writing workshop. Fundamentally, as a principal who has taught and been a principal for so many years and been a principal in so many schools, she was a believer in writing more so than I've ever seen a principal be a believer in writing and what it does for literacy. And she said, I want you to partner with me and let's make a thing. Let's make a, a, a writing program that fits this school and that grows the school in literacy. And I said, heck, yes. But along with that, so I did that for her. And then the leadership committee that she put together, we would have department chair meetings that went from 4.15. So the bell rang at 4. We were in there by 4.15 to have our leadership meeting. Sometimes we didn't leave till 7 p.m. She would order us dinner. She's like, it's going to be a long one. We talk, I mean, because it was, she expected that if you want to better a school, if you want to change fundamentally change a school that has has struggled for literally 20 years 30 years the only way you do that is to put in the time that it takes you don't like it's it's like i'm I'm speaking this from experience like my body like I'm, i'm overweight right i know that to change my body fundamentally if i really wanted to make it to the peak that it could be I'm going to have to bust my butt and sacrifice time and sacrifice peace and sacrifice (laughs) comfort to do that. But we have this mentality today in the workforce of America that you don't have to do that. You should just show up and work and go home and have a good time. And I, I, if you want to do that by all means, like do, I I follow Gary V's philosophy, do what makes you happy, but mediocrity doesn't make me happy. Just doing the bare minimum, if that was true, I wouldn't talk endlessly on microphones to try to better myself and and help other people, right? I I have so much, so many other things to do than sit and talk to you, but um, that was rude. That was rude. (laughs) That's not what I meant. Well, I hope you didn't mean the audience. Oh my God. That's not what I, that's not what I meant at all. That's so funny. After I said it, I was like, that's not what I mean. Meaning there's just, there's, there's work like, you know, the time that you and I take to podcast, like there's other things that require our attention. Right. Right. But we do it because we love this work and we love 
what we do. And some people would say, why are you doing that? Like, what's what's your gain? What's all this? And that's why I say it really does take a love for teaching, a love for education, a love for the profession as a profession. And I think that that is that's the crisis that we see in education today on the teacher front is there's not a love for the profession. Um, and that that's hard. That's hard to cultivate. Um, it's what I hope this podcast helps from our audience, the people that we hear from. Um, I think we help them. I think we reinvigorate some of their passions for this work, for what it really is. And I think Teach Me Teacher does the same. I think there's tons of professional books and other podcasts that do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I think that fundamentally is, uh, is, is what shapes a school. If you don't have those things, if you just have a bunch of people just showing up, uh, you know, at 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and they're leaving early and they're not running tutorials and they're not staying extra and they're not doing crazy lessons and they're not experimenting. Um, you have a dead school and you and I have seen those dead schools and they're very real. Yep, that's true. Well, everybody, welcome to Craft and Draft. <laughs> I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain. And uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Jacob? What are we going to be doing? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I kind of want to stay on this topic, Ochoa, but you okay. know, truth, truthfully, you know, we're going to talk about the time that it takes to cultivate some of these things. So I think we can rope the this question into the bigger topic that we had planned, which is the time you plan for reading and writing and how to work it into everything, but truly how to, I guess, how to move stuff forward, which I'm super excited about. But ladies and gentlemen, good Lord, I am on a roll today. I, I feel like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm in the zone to talk about this stuff. Um, but if you like this podcast, if you like that rant, if you like any of our rants, if you like the fun <laughs> stuff we talk about, if you like the lessons, if you want tons of bonus content that we don't release to anyone except until it's really old, then we release it to entice you all or whatever. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash craft and draft, just like Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna all have. Join us over there on Patreon. We do so much over there. We have tons of stuff planned. As always, we always talk and love to do stuff. But truthfully, we want you guys to have a wonderful community and join us over there. Get bonus content and the craft and draft setup stuff, which is the whole episode. Uh, the whole point of the podcast was our journal system. So if you want to learn how to do that and elevate your interactive journals with what we do and talk about, go join us over there. If you can't, that's fine. Subscribe, leave a review. By the way, I, I, this is my serious call for reviews. I always say that. <clears throat> but if you've been listening to this podcast for a bit, leave a review. Those reviews truly do help. They help us in the algorithm. They help us uh, rank in the Apple podcast. So if you like this podcast, join us over there. Rank us. Hit that five star. Leave a couple kind words. It really does help. Um, we've been in the 30s for a bit. I would love to hit 40 uh, reviews if possible. So if you have a few minutes on your hand this weekend, do so. Hopefully um, it doesn't take too much time and it helps us out a little bit. But with all that said, let's get to the conversation. Oh, righty, Ochoa. Good Lord, you fired me up with that conversation, with that question. I knew. <clears throat> I knew. I've had it planned all week. I told you I had a you good did. question for you. <laughs> it's just, I, you know, I, it's something that I think about often, right? As a, a principal mm -hmm. um, and someone that, you know, it, it's so, I, I got to tell you, I, I reflect often 
on just the differences of being at a middle school with roughly what 700 kids to a high school of 2500 mm-hmm. like it's just amazing it's it's like a it's like a little it's a city 2500 is like a small little city because there's so many things going on the kids are older so a lot of them run their own programs you have so many sports going on um and it really is like last night I was at soccer until 940. Um, and it's just talking to the community, talking to parents, watching them. But at the same time, softball is going on on the other side of the school. There's other events going on. And it's just um, sometimes I look at that and I'm like, God, how does this all work together? <clears throat> and there's a high school is different than smaller campuses and I I love the I love the high school environment. I'm really happy I'm there, but something about the middle school, specifically like six through eight middle school, but you know, seven through eight, also intermediate, five through six. Um the smaller campuses are always so fascinating to me because I think the the culture is is driven so much by the teachers. I think the culture is driven by the teachers at the high school too, but less so. Because the kids kind of create their own culture, right? They're they're teenagers. They're they're growing into young adults. All of these things. They have their sports. They have their activities. Their their identity is kind of defined by the things they're involved in at high school ish, right? And the the success of the school is kind of defined by that. And then everyone else just kind of facilitates that a little bit. Middle school, I feel like the culture is defined by like. What, how much energy are you bringing? Like, are kids excited to go to your class? Are they excited to be a part of your lesson? And I think that piece, specifically with English, to right, tie it back to everything, is how much, like, the, the, the I have always equated the success of my classroom to how invested I can get the kids into looking forward to like what they're doing in my classroom. And I don't think that always means big lessons. You and I have talked about this all the time. You and you have several like very different styles, but you have had some of the most engaging classrooms I've ever seen in my life. And you don't do the classroom transformations and you didn't do those things. You just worked through literacy, worked with works for kids and really listened to kids and worked through that way and honored who they were. And I think that really got that engagement piece, but I, but it's, it's a love of teaching, right? I mean, that's what made you do that. When I have seen you stressed, I've seen you throw papers on a desk. (laughs) That was a long time ago. (laughs) I have, I have seen you. And I was not teaching either. (laughs) I have, I have seen. Let's make that clear. There were no kids in the room. (laughs) Correct. Right. It was just between colleagues. That was in office and uh, somebody made a decision that I did not appreciate. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen you walk in and go, you know what? Whoosh. And just I'm, chunk it all. I've had enough of all of them. Yeah. And, but you, it, it's, it's those moments though, right? It's, it's that love of teaching that I think that engaged you enough, right? You cared about teaching so much that you cared about being better when things were hard, when things were difficult, mm-hmm. when, when the kids weren't responding, when you're, when you didn't feel supported by your admin, but that's like th- I don't know. Do you feel like that's your kind of the defining characteristic of how how you find success in the classroom anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, like 
I think I think the biggest part of being retired, because I can't work for a full year, right? I can't I can't be in a public classroom for a full year. And so that has been the most difficult part is I'm not really creating, I don't have a reason to create all these lessons. Does that make sense? And I, I miss the plan. I love the planning and I like the executing of the lessons. I like it when the kids, there's something that we really have to get. And it's a complicated topic, maybe complex, and they get it, you know, when they finally, the light turns on. I miss that. I'm not, I'm not able to see those things. However, as a grandma, and my daughter-in-law is a teacher, but she's homeschooling. She actually has taught. She's certified in three different states uh, as a young, uh, I guess, K through six. And uh, so she's homeschooling. And it's just neat to watch my grandchildren. And, and one of the reasons why she's homeschooling is because they have to go to different states all the time due to my son's profession. So they're here for just a few years and then they'll be going again. So to keep continuity for her children, she's decided to stay home. And then uh, she's also, they're very strong uh, in the church and Christians. And so she wants to also have that a part of their instruction. So it's just fascinating. Like the other day we went to go eat and the kids were and you can tell she loves teaching those kids. So I know she loved teaching in the classroom. She, um, she, she always has these wonderful ideas. And uh, so, so I've been. She's here lately. The weather's been good, so she's been taking the kids out and teaching them. And so she films her teaching these kids, our her own children, and she puts it up on a little uh, app that we all share that only goes to the family. And uh, so I get to see her, them like, you know, she's trying to work with them on maybe the letter V or something. Cause they're all, they're young. And uh, all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah. Blah, blah, you know? And then, so the other day we went to go eat and uh, it was, it was over scripture and she's like, so, uh, Levi tell grandma what you learned this week, you know, and he could quote the scripture. He could tell you all about it. And then he could apply it to the science, uh, you know, like rainbows, for example, they learned all about colors and prisms, but then it applied to the scripture. So she, he could tell you all about why rainbows are important to us personally. And they give us hope and they, you know, and he could tell you all about that. And he's just five. And it's just fascinating to watch her love of teaching and planning these wonderful lessons into her. And so anyway, that's, that's one thing I have enjoyed where I think if I was working right now, I would not get to experience some of that, but I do miss that in the classroom. When you were talking, one of the things I, I started out as a coach, um, well, not my very first year, but my second year I, I coached, I coached in middle school and I co or actually junior high. And then I coached uh, volleyball, basketball, and track. And then I coached, volleyball and basketball at the high school. And it's pretty competitive. Uh, my, I guess my third or fourth year uh, at the high school, school, tired that I worked under for basketball. And so we got a new coach in and I think they must've made a deal with him and told him that he could bring in one of his own, if he could figure out which one of us he didn't want. And so it was, and 
Well, through all of that, I finally decided I, I'm, I don't want to compete like that. It's, it wasn't fun and uh, didn't like all of that. So I went ahead and got out and, and uh, my principal made a deal with me and said, you know, we've got an English teacher that's retiring. If you will go to the literacy conference, the Abydos, if you will go to that, then I will put you in that English spot. So that's how I got into Abydos and all of that. But here's the deal. The one person that I was pitted against that I knew did not like me at all, uh, just because of some things that were said to me. And uh, but I don't know. If, I don't know why she would be walking. I think she was also trying to become a, a principal. So, you know, how when you do those internships, like if, if somebody's out, then that person becomes the principal and they walk around, they get the sub for the teacher and then she walks around. So it was one of those cases. And, and I guess it was a week that she was doing that. And finally at the end, she said, Pam, I come to your room all the time. You really love teaching, don't you? I had no idea you love teaching that much. It's been interesting. Every time I come to your room, I learn something. So anyway, this is a lady that I I could have sworn she did not like me at all, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, but the thing is, 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 yeah, I think I'm glad to know that, 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 you know, that she was able to see that just from walking by my room or stopping in and looking and, and, uh, it, it was great. Uh, part of it is because I took Abydos, I had learned how to teach writing in the workshop model. You know, I did use these notebooks Maybe not exactly the way we do them now, but I did use all of that. And I was I was learning how to do that back then. I was in my 20s. But um, no, I enjoyed I, I love teaching. And as a matter of fact, I had another principal later on in life goes, you know, Pam, I need you to help these people because you're just good at education. You just know how school works. I've never known anybody who just knows how school works like you do. And I need you to step up and help these, you know, and they gave me people. So I've always, ever since I kind of got established uh, and and I'm known as helping others like that at school, even if it wasn't my job, I would have principals say, hey, do you think maybe you could take this person under your wing? So I did that a lot over the years. And I, and I think because of that, I think I've also helped influence people start liking, you know, influence them to even start liking their job. But I have to say, I sat with some friends to go with what you were talking about, where uh, at at the beginning, when we were talking about teachers just want to get their eight to five or whatever, nine to five and go home, eight to four and go home, uh, seven to three and go home, whatever their schedule is. Uh, I did sit with some teachers the other day, and it was just a conglomeration of some uh, that uh, we all had lunch, but, um, some of them, I really am not like friends with, you know what I'm saying? In other words, it's not somebody I talk to all the time, but they, they were invited and they were talking about how they are, uh, seeing that all the time at their school is the new people that they're hiring. Some of the people that they're hiring are just like not taking anything home, uh, working just very short, you know, like, like it, like it's an actual job and not necessarily a career. And then when they come in, they're like, Hey, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? And you're like, well, dude, did you not take your stuff home? You know, I mean, why do you not know what you're doing? Well, I mean, I had to go home, you know, and it would be, it's okay. Like once, right. Once in a while. But, but if you're, if you're going to do that, you got to really 
work your time at school. I'm not saying that you, like you said, you stay up. Now you're looking at someone who would stay until, especially when I was in between my first marriage and my second one. And I was all by myself and my son was staying with his dad for the weekend or whatever. I would, I would stay there till midnight. I'm the one that they would, that I got to know all the custodians cause I was up there, but it was kind of a safe haven. I love school, but I, I grew up I grew up loving school. I, I like school when it's quiet and there nobody when there's nobody there. And it's just the neatest thing when you see a school that's empty. And then I love it when it fills up. So it's I like both. So I, you were looking at somebody who does. I love school and I love I love teaching. And you're right. I couldn't have done it for 36 years if I didn't appreciate it. Well, and that's the thing. Like I love um, you know, when I was teaching, I always had kids in my room, always, and you know this, didn't oh, matter if yeah. it was my conference, didn't matter if it was PLC, didn't matter anything, kids are always popping in, saying hi. Um, oh, I know, I'd have to stay, okay, I, I know I'm interrupting you, but just <laughs> for <good>. the audience, <laughs> I, I'm confirming your story, I would be put on hold, like, I'm sorry, Ochoa, but I'm helping these kids right now. But I need my answer now. Well, you'll just have to wait for an hour because I'm working with these kids right now. It's like, oh, my Correct. gosh. They so always I have to came stay first. up there until 6 o'clock just to, Look, and just to get my one word answer. It's so funny because <laughs> I I still do that, which is hilarious, where it's like, yeah, and my secretary hates it because she <laughs> she's great. She does her job very well. I would be lost without her. But there are so many instances where she wants me to, like, move to the next thing. I'm like, nope, I'm with a kid. But you have a meeting. I don't care. They can wait. Adults can wait. Kids get served now. And it's I've had to, like, condition her to that's just my reality. Like, if a kid's in my office, they're, I'm going to talk to them. And she'll poke her head in and look through the window. And I'm just like. You can look at me all you want. I'm not. I'm going to handle this issue and I'm going to learn this kid. I'm going to talk to them Um, because it really does make a difference. And like I had a kid, for instance, uh, he's a core kid, which we don't know if you're not familiar with the core kid. It's basically a behavior program. And this kid, he's he's got a heck of a background, but I have I love this kid to death. And he comes he says hi to me every morning and he comes to me and he. He tries to weasel his way into everything, but I, I take care of him pretty well. And I know him. I know he lives with his grandpa and, you know, I talk to them all the time and we kind of work with each other. But he got a detention, which is very rare for a, a behavior kid because they, they kind of have detention throughout the day, depending on who they are. And he uh, but I, his so the core teacher, you know, she's amazing. One of the one of the best educators I've ever seen. I actually told her she can't leave because my son's going to have her in a few years. And I was like, you got to be here for a few more years. Um, but she's incredible. And uh, she goes, you know what? He said this. I really think he needs attention. I was like, all right, I got your back. I'll give him an attention. And she what's funny is he was like he accepted it at first. And then later he was like, I can't do an hour because we, we do detentions every Tuesdays and Thursdays from four to five. Right. For an hour. They have, oh, to okay. sit. they have to sit in a chair. They can do whatever they want. They just can't be on technology, right? They can't eat. They, they can't They can't hang out, but they can work on schoolwork. They can read and they can sit. And he's like, I, I can't do it. And he was trying to go home. And I was like, nope, you're staying right here. And he's like, can I do 30 minutes? And I was like, absolutely not. You're doing the whole thing. And she texts me and she goes, I don't know if he can do a full hour. I was like, he'll do a full hour. 
He will 100% do a full hour. Now, in the back of my head, was I thinking he might crack and leave in 20 minutes or 30 minutes? Sure, I wasn't going to punish him for that, but I was going to hold him accountable. But here's the thing. I went above and beyond for him. He goes, I found him wandering around before detention. I'm like, nope, you get your butt up there. And he's like, I'm so thirsty. I was like, what do you need? Water? I got you water. He's like, can you bring me a book? Sure. So he goes to detention. I go to my office. I get a bottle of water. And I go get a Harry Potter book. He loves Harry Potter. So I grab Harry Potter and I walk it all the way up. We have a four-story building. (laughs) I go all the way up to him and I hand him the water. I hand him the book. And I say, you got this. I believe in you. Fist bumped him, shook his head a little bit, right? Messing up his hair. I said, you can do this. And you know what? He did it. And, but like that, I would, so it's the, my same mentality is there, right? It's the, it's going the extra mile. It's letting the kids be in my room long enough to where it's like, you know what? Chastain's a safe place. Maybe I will listen to him when he criticizes, when he gives me critical uh, feedback on writing or reading or helps me in this, or maybe I will trust him because I understand that he's like, yeah, he might get onto me and tell me whatever, but he's going to be there at the end of the day. It's where I can stay in a safe place. Another story. I was standing in the middle of the hallway. We had our, for some reason, my principal thought it was a good idea to have the choir kids sing in the middle of the hallway today. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I missed the memo, but they sang and all these kids are in the hallway and I walked up to her and I go, this is giving me anxiety. There's so many kids right here. There's so (laughs) many bad things that could happen. Like I don't get anxiety ever about anything. And I was like, I really hate this. And she laughed. And she was like, yeah, it's one of my good ideas, I guess. And one of my, so here's the thing. A student walks up to me and him and I are talking and then she joins in and we're all talking. And I go, I go, doctor, you, I taught this kid in sixth grade. I was like, I gave this kid more detentions than any other student in my entire life. And now look at him. Like he, he doesn't get in trouble ever. He's doing whatever. And we were talking and it was just so funny because he, you know, we we kind of went back and forth or whatever, but he genuinely has told me he attributes like his turnaround in education because I just never let him get away with being less than. But I didn't do it mean. It's like, nope, you're going to be in detention. You wouldn't right. stop talking. You're going to be in here after school. <laughs> but you know what I did in those? Yeah. Yeah. I held him accountable and I had him sit in silence for however long. But I also like with talking about books. I talking about writing. And his mom to the point to where when I got hired, she showed him. She was like, oh, I have voicemails from him giving you detentions. <laughs> like there was. <laughs> and so it wasn't like uh, I, that's what I always fear is that people. Some of the, the stories I tell like, oh, chat, like it's like, oh, he's just the happy go lucky whatever. It's like, no, I was like the, the most respected teachers are the teachers that love on young people, but also hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also loving the job too, right? That's getting kids to, you get a kid to love literacy, not by forcing them to read, not by forcing them to write, but showing them that they have freedom, but also holding them accountable to, it takes work. And I feel like that's the line that you walk too. Like when you talk about time, it takes to become a better reader or writer. Time takes discipline. It takes discipline to get better at something. And that's something I feel like you never wavered from no matter what, crazy uh mandate came down you always found a way to make it happen well yeah i mean um if they started coming in and poking at me at before the you know like why are you reading for the first 10 minutes i just moved it to the middle 20 minutes (laughs) 
Because they always come at the end or at the beginning. Right. They hardly ever come in the middle because there's always a problem in the middle. Uh, one that's not in my classroom usually, but I mean, I've had my share. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I'll just move it around or I'll break it up so that it doesn't. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll comply, but, but I won't, there's just some things that I just don't, like you said, waver on, I will figure out a way to get that time of reading and the time of writing in, uh, as I think we did in a podcast not too long ago. And that's even if it's 10 minute burst or five minute burst of things, you know, now when it comes to reading, um, I just, <sighs> I don't know. It's really on my heart. I'm hearing some things where, and and I was experiencing it at the the very last year and you were gone. Cause I think if you would have been there, I think, um, I don't know. You just had a way as a department chair. And of course, maybe it was just because of the principal respected you, but I mean, you did action research to prove things to be true. And and she would take your action research. I mean, literally, we did that, right? And you would say, okay, everybody, this is what they're saying we shouldn't do. We think it's the right thing to do. So I want you to do it. We, I've gotten permission to do it for like three weeks. And while we're doing it for three weeks, this is, or look, we have to do it. We don't agree with it. We're going to do it for three weeks, mm-hmm. either way, either direction. And then, and then what, what I saw was, you know, we would, you would, you would, in our meetings would say, Hey, I need you to turn in your results of doing this, you know, give me the feedback. And then you would put it in like a nine page report <laughs> with pictures and data and yeah. a beginning data and ending data. And then you would turn that in and you would show either growth or, or decline depending on what we really thought if we thought was good for kids we typically saw growth if we didn't think it was good for kids but they were making us do it it would be in decline and i and i think reading i think it would be neat you know and i think that's really what y'all did because i know that i didn't work with y'all at the beginning like you'd already mentioned when the school was it was now or never i worked with you after you kind of was on that last leg, if you will. Y'all had already started all yeah. the work. But I know that because I worked with y'all that I I got reports, not just from you, but from other people that because they took me for the writing and then they turned or they took me for reading and then turned around and took me for writing. And uh, so we were able to talk about it and then we would have follow-ups, things like that. But but it was that reading that made a difference, I think, that y'all as a group, and, and that was the thing, that was the big complaint, because as a group, we all decided we were not going to give up reading time, and we're not going to give up writing time. We're going to make sure that everybody has reading time and writing time in the classroom. Am I right? Yep. I mean, we might have had one or two that were like stuck in their old ways, but for the most part, Everybody was on board. Mm. Well, what was interesting is we were still on board when you weren't there because you had already left. We were still doing that. Everybody was doing that. And then the new group of people came in and said, why are y'all doing this? Everybody, everybody's doing this at the same time. Why are y'all doing this? And it's like, dude, I thought you wanted us to do everything at the same time. I mean, we're all, I mean, if it didn't do anything, it showed that we were all together. And I mean, if the school has been improving, then why would you want to change what's been working? I think the proof was in our data, but 
anyway, that's that's a that's a thing. Well, but but my heart is hurting because I'm starting to hear by other people, and I'm talking about other people from because I go to conferences still. I've already been to conferences, you know that. And so I went to a state conference, actually international conference, and there were people in our state from, you know, from the north of the state. We have a big state, by the way. I don't know, but it's a huge state. So we're looking at eight hours one way and 10 hours another way, and they all have the same story. And the story is our people are telling us not to read. I mean, they're they're saying we have to read because we have to do the science of reading. But that free reading time, the workshop reading time, I think is going away. And I'm I think that's why I want to talk about you got to figure out a way. And I I'm not there right now to to really, truly see. I'm only hearing. Does that make sense? But it worries me because I did experience it at the end. We were getting some negative feedback about why are you letting your kids just read? And I have a problem with that. And I hope it's not a, a state thing. I hope it's not a country thing. I hope it's not a global thing. I'd be interested to know if this is a global phenomenon because I just think it's, I'm just really worried that they're taking that time out of the classroom. And uh, so that was something I really kind of wanted to address. But but I think that's the kind of stuff, if you really love teaching and you really believe what you believe, you've got to you got to figure out a way to stand up, but you also got to keep your job. So I don't know. I think you got to walk a, a fine line, but that's how I got the kids to read. Like you said, I didn't always turn my classroom into something. I didn't always get up on. I mean, I, I did. I mean, I've been known to teach when I used to be more balanced. I would teach geography. I'd put my my book on my head and walk around the room. It kept their eyes on me. They all wanted to know if I'd knock it off. So that was when I was younger. I've been known to do little things like that, you know, just to get their attention, to keep their, especially after lunch. But, but that's not my style. My style is, is to get them into the reading, get them into the writing. If that's what I want them to learn, if that's what I want them to do, you have to do it every day. Um, Somebody I heard today, I, you know, I've been watching some podcasts, but there's a person, I don't know what it was on this little short or something, but their comment was, if you really know, what somebody finds important, look at their credit card uh, statement. <laughs> when you look Agreed. at their credit card statement, you find what's really important to them. You find what they've been spending their money on or where they spend their time in. And I think it's the same way in teaching. If you think reading is important, then you got to provide opportunities for these kids to read. They're, you can't just say, okay, they're going to read at home. You know, because I think what you're going to end up doing is you're going to have the problem we had, which started workshop in the first place, which was that's what they used to do. They would say, this is your homework and your homework was reading the textbook. But I wasn't encouraged to read a lot of books when I went to school. I was I was encouraged to read the textbook, but that did not make me a, a fiction reader. What made me a fiction reader was my sister just, or she happened to love books, which we've talked. She's all, and so she's the one who encouraged me to read. You know, so I find it fascinating. There, oh my goodness, there's so many things there. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mary Howard, one of my favorite guests I ever had mm -hmm. on Teach Me Teacher, one of the people I attribute so much to the podcast changing his trajectory. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
my first online interview, actually, which is hilarious. That was the first one. Um, and she was incredible and she still is, but she has been, and I want her on craft and draft, uh, so much to talk about this stuff, but, um, she may or may not come, but her Twitter, her, her ex profile, I should say is all like, it's all about the science of reading stuff, but in a way that is showing light as to it's not as, uh, focused as we would like to be. And one of the things that she had posted and I retweeted was this, um, the idea that they're like, guess what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> like we've already had this blueprint before we did phonics. We did a focus on phonics education. And what happened is you created a bunch of great test takers and a bunch of really bad readers. And then the nation was like, what's happening? Why is comprehension down? Why can't kids do mm-hmm. this? Why can't kids do that? And then they flip to uh, a more natural reading state. And then it kind of, and that's what's going to come in a handful of years. Um, <clears throat> lucky for us, we have a podcast with hours and hours of this content and people will discover it when they come back. But there is this, it comes from a good place. People want kids to read. People want kids oh, to be able yeah. to read Oh, yeah, I think it comes from a good place. Yeah. Of course it does. But I think that some of the forces behind it aren't good forces. I think that the programs that are being instilled, the businesses that are jumping in, the weird nebulousness of education where uh, private education, you know, it's it's publicly funded dollars, but the stuff, the solutions they're buying are privately owned programs. I think that is an interesting conundrum that is probably an unintended consequence. A lot of this, and I'm not saying boohoo to private uh, companies or anything. I I think they have their place, but um, I think there's this weird corrupted uh, core that is just kind of arising naturally with all of this. But When it comes to the work that it takes to instill a love of reading and a love of writing, um, I think it doesn't matter what any of this does. It doesn't matter if your district is signs of reading. It doesn't matter if they're uh, focused on student choice, student voice. It it doesn't matter any of that. What matters is your dedication to giving your kids what they need. I've, I've long said this, that there's, there's a lot of ways to teach. There's a lot of ways to get kids into reading, a lot of ways to get kids into writing, um, and we, we happen to subscribe to the workshop model. It doesn't mean other models don't work or aren't effective, but I think that the difference maker is the educator. I have seen, and this is 100% true, I've seen educators honestly teach in ways that I would never suggest, <laughs> but they're incredibly charismatic and they're effective and kids care and kids learn. And it's like, well, Dang, I mean, you're you got results and you're you're being amazing and you're really guiding your kids through this. Go forth and conquer. Um, I think there's practices that lend more towards that. I think workshop teachers, um, when they really understand what that means, are more effective literacy teachers than the vast majority of other educators. Um, I've, it's the same thing when we talk about uh, whole group novels. Right. There's there's there was this big ban on whole group novels for a long time. And but you and I have defended the whole group novel and said that it has a, you. It depends on how you use it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing bad. I mean, there's a couple bad things, I guess. But there's it's more about like, what is what is your reason for doing these things? If your reason is some weird 
ideological agenda that's being pushed by the various companies, then your reason probably isn't going to yield results. It's like, I mean, it's, it's uh, to put this into a, a very specific example. It's like when I became a literacy coach and I tried to teach people to give kids choice by telling them like how to do things specifically rather than teaching them to open up their lessons in certain ways. I was an ineffective coach. Sorry. I was an ineffective coach because I did not, I, I expected people to do what I said rather than understanding the reasons behind it and the, the research that kind of built onto it. And that was a learning experience for me, but that's the same thing as just accepting a program. But I think that the best teachers, the people that we're talking about from the the top of this podcast until now are the people who sure you, I mean, you're not, you don't, you don't got to buck the system every five seconds, but being able to take something in and go, Hmm, I don't know if I like this. Let's try and be able to think about it. Let's let's question this. Let's ask professional questions to leadership. Let's let's challenge something on the grounds of research. Let's try this and try something else that takes dedication and time and effort. Um, And that really only comes from a love of of teaching. And I think I think that if anything is is my ultimate goal is like, man, we we really got to find people that that love teaching for teaching. And I think that, uh, I think that the system itself is, is driving a lot of great people out. I think a lot of bad policies are driving people out. And I, I, you know, I, for a long time, I said COVID was the equalizer. COVID got rid of a lot of people that should have left, but now we have almost the reverse where we're, we've, we have things going on that are driving everyone out. And I can say that on my campus too. great educators, people that I genuinely think are amazing for kids are leaving because they're like, you know, I'm making 55, 60 grand a year for this and being held to these weird standards without any uh, perceivable uh, resources or benefits. And I just got offered a job to make 150 for doing this. Why wouldn't I leave? How do I not yeah. take the job that's giving me that? And it's like, I mean, that's a real, that is a real problem. <laughs> and not, now teachers have never been paid amazingly. And I don't think we ever will with the current system we have in America, but um, there's ways to make it more appetizing. And some of that is creating a culture on your campus of let's, let's have fun teaching. Let's bring back the joy of what we're doing. But I don't know. It's a complex issue. I, I, I'm, I find I'm spinning in my head and it's making me go down all kinds of rabbit holes. Ochoa closing thoughts, because we're there's, there's so many things to open this up. What are, what are your, what are your closing thoughts for people tonight? Well, my, my closing thought, my closing thoughts, hmm. we started with my question. What's the most important thing for a school in order for it to be effective? And you answered with, you got to love teaching. You, you got to enjoy the craft of teaching. You got to enjoy the art of teaching even enough that you would put up with the, the children put up with the uh, shenanigans from above uh, enough to look at it as as a challenge and figure out what's best for kids. I think the one thing 
that I want to go back to something that you said, and that was no matter what the situation is, you have got to be in your classroom and figure out what it is that those kids need. And you got to figure out a way to make it work. And I would say that one thing that I would do is I would be looking at the lesson plans, even if they were given to me and I have to be on the same page as you and we have to do the same lesson I would look at that and I would look for moments in those lesson plans where I could provide time for the kids to read or extend it. Even if it's just a few minutes, I would figure out a way to turn their question. If it's a, if it's like a general question on the, on the, on the lesson plan, if it's an objective that you have to do, I would look at it and figure out where's the workshop, where's the, reading part where's the writing part in this question and I would make sure that every question that is answered they have to write it down first or they would discuss it and then write their answers I would find text that were approved by the school you know I wouldn't go off the rails but I would make sure because I'm not going to get in trouble I won't get sued for anybody you know what I mean but I would make sure that it's within that text I would search all the text that we have available and I would find those that would would get the kids to read and think about what it is they need to learn. But to me, that is the that's what I enjoy doing. And then I love the delivery. And so I would say I would encourage everybody. See if you can look at your stuff and see if you can find ways to give these kids what they need. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Craft and Drive podcast. That's Pamela Trump, Jacob Tess, saying we're two educators down here in the state of texas do what we love talking about reading writing workshop and so much more if you like this podcast subscribe so you don't miss anything we drop an episode pretty much every single friday sometimes saturdays depending on what's going down send us a question if you have one leave a review ladies and gentlemen if you're listening to this podcast leave a review that's ochoa telling her cat to stop i know um, she's like <laughs> I'm sorry. She's acting like a dog and she's like clawing me. You know how dogs will jump on your lap for you to yes. pet them? I have a cat that does that, but her claws are sharp. And she Correct. is like, I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. Go ahead. Leave a review for the cat. Good Lord. Come back next week for another fantastic episode and know that we are here for you. <laughs>